This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Pajemski for Kaminga to Clay. Catch and shoot, right wing, three, Gucci-zimo! Ho, ho, ho! 21 for Clay Thompson! Doing his thing in the district. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game, Warriors Wrap-Up, starts now. Well, the Warriors start the road trip with a victory in Washington. That's a place they needed to be, the win column, and they got right back in with a 123-112 victory against Jordan Poole and the Wizards out in D.C. First game of a four-game roadie goes to the Dubs as they return to the win column. An important win because that officially moves them, at least for now, in a ninth place in the Western Conference and also two and a half games back of the eight seed. Evan Giddings with you here on Warriors Wrap-Up, and I think a lot to dig into from this game. Again, 123-112, the Warriors had a bit of a stutter in the fourth quarter as they have had as of late, which draws the game a lot closer than it was. They led by as many as 23 in this one against a Wizards team that shot nearly 50% from the floor. Um, but the Warriors, look, this for, for multiple reasons was a game that, of course, I think everyone expected them to win. Of course, they pushed for the 11-point cover, for those of you out there paying attention to that. To me, I think this game said a couple things, uh, one in which particularly about the bench. You know, I, I think everyone was wondering, okay, so Wiggins is out this game for personal reasons. More on that in just uh, a little bit. But Chris Paul's coming back. It's been 21 games. The Warriors, during his absence, have been 12-9 and nine without how does he kind of factor back into this game? How does he factor back into the rotation? Well, then Chris Paul picked up right where he left off. Plus 17 in 22 minutes, six assists, four steals, a couple threes, and really had been playing well before his injury, the hand fracture, which kept him out for the last couple, yeah, about a month and a half. You know, in the last six games before the injury, he was averaging about 13, but shooting nearly 55% from three-point range and above that from the floor as well. So I think Chris Paul... Look, this was the perfect game to ease him back in. And more importantly, from a big-picture perspective, ease the new second unit in for the Golden State Warriors. Because game 57, you know, looking at this thing now, 25 game left, and along with three on the road trip, two against some good teams in New York, which is coming up next, as well as Boston. This is when, in in this time of the season, you need to start building an identity. And I think the Warriors have been building an identity for some time now. But coming off of the the loss against the Nuggets on Sunday, a loss that I felt like was kind of humbling for Golden State, I don't know if it necessarily washed the taste out of the mouth uh, of a lot of fans watching that game, and I was there, but it certainly is a win that you need to get. Moves them back three games above five hundred. 
It's a Washington team that is pretty god-awful, especially after the deadline, moving what little pieces they did have. You know, the Warriors are now 30-27. and 27. The Wizards are 9-49, and what, 49, and I think they only have three of those wins at home. Um, so I, I'm curious what people believe that this game kind of factored into. To me, I was looking at this from more of a big-picture perspective. Like, if they had lost, we'd be talking about something very differently, but I did not expect them to lose. They did not lose. And even though the first half was close, I figured at some point Washington would give up even if Golden State wouldn't take it. And to me, both of those things happened in the third quarter before the Warriors and their fourth quarter problems persisted a bit too much for my liking. But 888-957-9570 is the number. Your takeaways from the game tonight is the Warriors win 123-112. to Evan Giddings with you here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Shout-out to the Comcast Business Text Line. Shout-out to the YouTube chat and Twitch powered by First NorCal Credit Union. I don't know if necessarily I'm looking at the rest of the road trip like tonight as far as being gimme victories, but it is a little settling knowing that the Warriors do have (laughs) gimme wins on their schedule now. That's something that we couldn't say. Like It was interesting listening to a lot of the shows today and talking about how the Warriors start their four-game roadie. You know, you got Washington, Toronto. Those are games you should be able to get. But I heard some people saying, "Oh, well, you know, I, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can assume a game against Washington. I don't know if you can assume a game against the Wizards." No, I, I think you can assume that the Warriors will win these kinds of games, similar to, to Friday against Charlotte. That game was closer than it should have been. Tonight's probably closer than it should have been. But these are wins that you can now assume for the Warriors, and that's something that we could not say for the majority of the season, which was a larger problem. But that rest aside, to me, this game was about the second unit. It was about integrating Chris Paul, and whether it was an ugly win, it's a win the Warriors should have and did get. And I also think it's about someone like Moses Moody stepping into the starting lineup. Mr. Stay Ready. Four three-pointers for him. Hustle plays all over the place. Um, It's also a, a bit of an indication that we're getting into the dog days of the season because Steph Curry had his worst shooting performance of the season. He missed a season-high 15 shots tonight. The last time he missed 15 or more shots in an NBA game, it was April 2nd, 2023. He missed 20 shots against Denver. That was last year. He has not missed as many shots as he did this evening. He was 4 of 16 from downtown. 6 of 21 from the floor. A little bit more on that in a moment. But to me, Clay Thompson, I think he has been the consummate professional that a lot of us wondered if he could be, but has given us no reason to believe that he won't be coming off the bench. In these first five games, the Warriors are 4-1 and one since the change. Of course, the one loss is to their best opponent in Denver. But he's averaging 20 points on 48% shooting from the floor, about 45% shooting from three-point range, and playing 27 minutes. The move to the bench for Klay Thompson has been necessary from both an individual as well as a team standpoint. Once we sort of learned, and I think it was after the Brooklyn game during the last road trip, we once we learned that Klay Thompson was lo- no longer a necessity for the Warriors to close games and still win, I think everything shifted to, well, how do the Warriors maximize Clay? How do they get the best out of Clay while Clay getting the best out of Golden State? And I think they've begun to find that. Now, that will remain to be seen against New York and Boston, but here's the thing about Clay, which which I love watching him shoot. He's able to just condense everything. He doesn't have to worry about playing 35 minutes. He can go play his game in the amount of time that he probably should be playing at this point in his career at his age with his injuries. And he should be still able to give you nights like these where he can shoot the hell out of the basketball. He can carry you offensively. 
And against a bad team, that's going to be good enough to win games. And those types of performances are valuable. And also, if Klay Thompson didn't play well tonight, that doesn't completely hurt you because he's not playing starting minutes. So I think Clay has been fantastic. For him to take a back seat in the way that he has so immediately, and I don't think it was something that he was initially happy about, but clearly through his play has been able to be a pro about it, and he's put it in the in the rearview mirror. And to me, watching one of my favorite players go through the transformation that he has, so far against a small sample size, it's five games, and I think there's been also... Um, a couple of broader impacts of that in the starting lineup that have been kind of interesting. Not necessarily looking at Curry, but for Clay Thompson individually, I think this has been the best of both worlds for him. He comes off the bench. He plays better. He's scoring more points than he has on average this season. He's shooting better from both the field and three-point range than on average this season. And he's playing fewer minutes, and the team is 4-1. and one. To me, all of those are win-wins for Clay Thompson as well as the Golden State Warriors. And I'm also glad to see that this was a perfect kind of guinea pig game to see how him and Chris Paul would fit coming off the bench. It's one of the reasons why I felt earlier today why Moses Moody was going to start. Because even if Moses didn't play well, and I thought he had maybe a rough start to the game, but overall he was really good. And I was impressed to see the effort that he brought for a guy that had been pretty much out of the rotation. But I think this was a, a guinea pig game from the standpoint of you could afford to maybe not play as well throughout the full 48, which they didn't, I think, at the beginning of the game as well as at the end of the game. But you can afford to kind of experiment a little bit with that second unit and Clay Thompson and Chris Paul, and I thought they paid dividends in a big way. Chris Paul's probably going to play more than 22 minutes most nights, and especially against good teams. Clay Thompson... I think tonight was a perfect example of, of what he can give you. And really, the last five games of what he can give you. 25 points on 16 shots in 27 minutes. You know, he had four assists, few rebounds, but he's out there to shoot. He's out there to score. And I don't know if the Warriors have necessarily identified their bona fide secondary score. I would like to think that it can be Kaminga. Tonight, like Kaminga went got back to basics and provided just an interior punch that he'd kind of been, for whatever reason, moving away from the last few games. Uh, he got out in transition. He attacked the 10. Jonathan Kaminga, this is one area that I'm always curious to see how many shots he takes is the three-point column. Kaminga didn't attempt a single three tonight because he didn't need to. Against a team like Washington, that is, that's a team that Kaminga can dominate by just getting downhill and getting to the rim. And he did that. And so... Whether it's Kaminga, whether it's Clay as the second options, I know it's generally, you know, you think about your secondary score behind Steph being someone in the starting lineup, but that's not always necessarily the case for for teams. I mean, top of mind, Jamal Crawford's a, a sixth man who was the second score on a lot of his teams. Sometimes he was the primary score. Lou Williams, for a long time, came off the bench, averaging over 20 points per game. So, not to, not to say Clay Thompson is like either of those two guys. Uh, I think they're different players, but Clay Thompson's more of a sharpshooter. I, I think Clay can come in, chuck, make his shots, also apparently facilitate a little bit, and be a part of a second unit that's run by Chris Paul. I thought the synergy between between Clay and and Chris Paul was extremely good right off the bat. And again, it's why I think that CP3 just kind of picked up ho hum where he left off. There was a few plays where CP would either set a pick for Clay just to 
a body bag of a screen set up for an open three for Clay, or just a little handoff and run into opponent, create some contact, but create enough room for Clay to get a look off. Whether it was a three, Clay pump fake, step in, take an 18-footer. Him and Chris play really well together. And I think it's because at this stage in Clay's career, they also kind of play at the same pace. Clay is a guy that could get up and down the floor. I think he could move in transition in his, you know, pre-injury days. But since he just naturally has to play a little slower. And that's more of Chris Paul's game. And so I'm really glad to see from the second unit those two guys immediately connecting uh, with a chemistry that was conducive <laughs> right now to looking at the bench. Of course, you got two double-digit scores. Um, but overall, I mean, they were plus 20 in bench points in the first half. Now, you look at the the secondary unit for Golden State, and you know, Sharch was a part of it. I didn't think he was particularly great tonight, but Looney played effectively in his 10 minutes. I was surprised to see that Looney was a plus 20 in those in those 10 minutes, but also had a couple blocks, uh, five rebounds. And again, all of this against a team like Washington are, are equations to victory. Like you, you don't have to play your best basketball to beat a team like Washington. They, the Wizards are awful. And it, it's funny because I feel like the biggest storyline coming into this game was probably the reunion <laughs> between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. You know, everyone's thinking, because what, Draymond, when the Wizards played at Chase Center uh, before the new year, was unavailable due to suspension. So he wasn't on the floor. I don't even know if he was in the building that night. But him and JP were on the floor for the first time since Jordan Poole was traded for Chris Paul. And there were no fireworks. That's why, to me, like, looking at this game, it's about Clay. It's about Chris. It's a little bit about Curry. Um, and I got some thoughts on him in just a second. I think it's about the fourth quarter issues that persist for the Golden State Warriors. And I thought it was about Mr. Stay Ready Moses Moody. But when it comes to Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, um, there were no fireworks from it from either of them. Like, I know Draymond's line was decent. You know, six points, eight rebounds, eight assists. I thought Draymond pretty much put it in cruise control tonight. And I don't know if he made the concentrated effort to not lose his cool or take things too um, personally. You know, but I, I thought in 29, 29 minutes he was fine. And I thought Poole played exactly like Jordan Poole has been playing, not not just all season, but all of last season. You know, that was a pretty prototypically Jordan Poole game. 5 for 17 from the floor. A lot of bad shots. 12 points. Uh, hit a couple of tough shots. Had six turnovers and five assists. Like, that's, that's a Jordan Poole game since he's been in Washington. So... You know, the, the most dangerous player on the floor for Washington tonight, I thought was Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones is a guy who could, that, that, might, that might be the only player on Washington that I want any part of. 17 assists tonight for Tyus Jones and just one turnover. That that guy could play for my team. Uh, but 888-957-9570. Jokes are coming in already. Comcast business text line for the 510. Jordan Poole still remembers how to palm a ball. There was a play, I think he tried to spin through a double team in which... It was like a, a, a classic carry move, but even more accentuated than uh, a general Jordan Poole one. That I, I don't want to get stuck on Poole. I, I do like the guy, and I, I wish things had worked out with Golden State, but clearly both sides are, are better off in their respective ways. The Golden State Warriors are better off from having Chris Paul here with this particular team than having Jordan Poole. And I think Jordan Poole and the money that he's making and a chance to play with an upstart Washington team and uh, maybe learn from this experience of a tough season and 
trying to remake his career. I think that's in the long run going to be beneficial for him. So, 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings with you on Warriors Wrap-Up. Let's get out to Washington, D.C. Talk to our guy, D. Thank you, as always, for calling. A little earlier tonight, though, D. What's up, my man? How are you? What's going on, Evan? What's going on? Not a mucho, man. How are you? Hey, listen, man. Bad game, but I'm happy we won. Yeah. It's nice to see Banana Peel, Banana Peel playing for another team. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, <he's> <laughs> but my man Steph Curry was struggling tonight, man. Oh, yeah. My goodness. He he definitely needs a couple of games off just to just to rest his old legs, man. But beyond that, man, this team needs help, bro. We cannot, under no circumstances, move on for another year without at least addressing the center spot. We cannot continue to rely on Looney and Sarich to actually man the front court. This is a ridiculous, this is an abomination. We are the doggone Golden State Warriors. We are the top of the top, cream of the cream. We need to do better in that, in, in that aspect, man. I mean, as, as our boys continue to older, get, get older, we need to get younger and taller and stronger and more athletic. You know what I mean? We need to stop thinking about that small ball crap because that's only going to take us so far. Because right now, Steph Curry is no longer the, the, the dynamo that he used to be. Uh, uh, um, Claire is no longer the dynamo that he used to be. So we got to do better in that, in that, in that aspect, man. Look, man, I'm going to hang up and listen to you from the other side, bro. Thanks, D. Appreciate it, man. Stay easy out there in D.C. By the way, I was just, it was kind of a shot at D.C. And I, I love you, D., but Washington, D.C. might be the worst four-sport city right now we have in the country. You look at the Nationals, irrelevant. The Capitals, I think, are like five or six games above 500, but they have a negative goal differential for those who keep track of hockey. You got the Wizards, say less, and then the Washington Commanders. Tough time to be a fan of D.C. So this is why I love D, because he loves the Warriors, calls in from D.C., not a shot at the city, just a shot at the sports teams right now because they're in trouble. Yeah, 888-957-9570 is the number. I, I, I'm with you, D. And this is something that like my partner Dan Devone and I on Warriors this week every Saturday from 9 to noon have been discussing like just how around the deadline the Warriors could get better. And I never felt like they needed to blow this thing up by any means, but I, it isn't so much about the five position not being Draymond's, but I just feel like at some point they're going to run into, whether it's a team like Denver or a playoff series when Draymond gets worn down a little bit, or maybe they're playing a condensed amount of games at the end of the regular season, which Draymond gets a little tired. Like I thought Draymond kind of tonight without saying it, took the night off a little bit. Like, he played 29 minutes, and he got his numbers. Um, He generally took care of the basketball, but I thought he was in cruise control tonight. And I think that's kind of how he has to approach games like this. Not not quite Tuesdays in, what is it, January, but Tuesdays in February. You know, he doesn't know how to get out of the bed at this point of the season. But I think also that's wise because of the lack of depth they have at that position. I think Looney is you know, been underwhelming this year, uh, to put it nicely. Trace Jackson Davis is still not someone that I would trust against a a big boy at the five. And I think he's coming along nicely, but still has obvious strides to take as a rookie. And then Sharich, I just, I, 
I think Sharich in a couple of weeks is going to be close to, if not out of the rotation completely. But I think that Kerr has to, at the very least, like if someone could salvage Sharich, it's going to be Chris Paul. Because those guys, to their credit, at the beginning of the season played very well together. And they have played well together during their history, specifically in Phoenix. So if anyone is going to get Sharich back, and I think his value is, of course, offensively more than defensively, he can space the floor when he's shooting well, he he can help you and knock down threes. My issue is just that defensively, the team really, really struggles whenever he's on the floor. Becomes It just becomes a layup line. Like, one of the reasons why, if you take a peek at, for example, tonight, like Trace Jackson Davis, and some of the TJD plus minuses, you just go through the box scores the last few games, they're not as high as you'd think based on his performance. Now, tonight, he, he didn't, you know, do a whole lot. Uh, he had a block, made a couple shots, caught a nice lob from CP3, but didn't do a whole lot in nine minutes, which is not necessarily expected. But he's a minus three. Look, who else is a minus three in the box score? It's Sharich. I think that when Sharich plays the four, because Kerr has given TJD a little bit of rope at the five with Sharich in the game, I think that defensively they just get they just get killed. And I'm looking at the beginning of the fourth quarter in this game. I'm not saying that all is on one person or all is on two players, but I don't think it helps them defensively down the stretch of these games because those particular guys, specifically the the guys, the bigs, not named Draymond Green, are going to have to play in order to keep Draymond's minutes down, which is wise because you still got 25 games less this year, uh, left this season. You're still going to have to go deep, ideally, into the postseason. You want Draymond Green to be fresh. So... My issue is that at the beginning of the fourth quarter, 12-2 run from Washington. They're good up and down. They're getting into the paint. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was something that was just a fourth quarter issue, but you take a look at where the Golden State Warriors... Oh, by the way, this is my bad, Sterling. I'm sorry. You're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app. Twitch and YouTube powered by First North Cal Credit Union. We're only like five minutes late on that. My bad. Um, but but back to the, the point about the, the fourth quarters... I think one thing that I saw, which has been a, an issue throughout even their stretch of good basketball, is they can still get pounded on the glass by just about any team. Like, the only real area of concern um, for me, like, you just kind of go up and down through these team stats, they got offen- they got out-offensive rebounded, the Warriors did tonight, by the worst offensive rebounding team in the NBA. 11 and 9, I think. Like, that can't happen. You can't get outboarded by a team that has just a simple disinterest in rebounding the basketball. Washington is the worst defensive rebounding team in the league. They are also the worst offensive rebounding team in the league. And the Warriors lost one of those categories tonight. That, I think, does contribute to fourth quarter issues because that's generally the kind of the time in the game in which. Maybe you take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit. They closed the third quarter in fantastic fashion. You know they were they were plus twenty one in the third quarter. It looked like the old third quarter Warriors, right? But then you can't quite close the door, and then you are looking at having to play Steph a little bit longer than you'd like. He only played thirty minutes, but again, when he's not shooting well, when you'd like to sneak him some rest. You would like to have other teams wave the white flag, like for like for example, the Lakers did. First game out of the break when the Warriors were fresh, I thought they put the Lakers away. The Lakers waved the white flag with like five or six minutes left in the game. 
Those are the type of opportunities that you can use to steal minutes back for your players and specifically the veterans that I think are valuable in games like this. And that to me, especially when you're heading into New York, but then you got a back to back in Toronto and then you got Sunday in Boston. These are the kinds of games that you can use as many rest days or many kind of built in resting efforts. Um, and that is one area that I don't think the Warriors maximized wholly because a, they were not great defensively at stopping point of attack. Two, I thought they got hurt on the glass more than they probably should have. Um, Bagley grabbing three offensive rebounds. Holmes, uh, like those are try-hard guys. Those are guys that are pretty much just going to get by through effort. Um, and I thought in certain points of the game, I thought they out-efforted out the Golden State Warriors. So 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings with you here on Warriors wrap-up after the Warriors take down the Washington Wizards. First game of the four-game road trip. Final score, 123-112. to Next game, of course, is going to be on Thursday, Friday. The back-to-back in Toronto and then, uh, or in New York and then Toronto. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's valuable. The win is from the standpoint, again, that you move to 10 games back. So, you know, you're essentially in a tie with the Lakers, uh, who you right now have an advantage of because of winning percentage. I think the head-to-head still goes to, or I should say is still tied, but then because of the conference record, the Lakers would have the head-to-head. But the Warriors are slightly ahead of the Lakers right now in ninth place because of a dude. I'll tell you what the biggest shot was for the Warriors across the NBA tonight. It was Max Struess in Cleveland hitting a half-quarter, three-quarters court buzzer beater against the Dallas Mavericks, who I thought were going to win their, you know, like eighth game in a row or seventh game in a row. And Struess took it from him. That's a big game that the Warriors just picked up for a Dallas team that's playing really well right now. So that moves them two and a half back, the win tonight does, of the eighth seed in the Western Conference. Um, or pardon me, I guess they'd lost before against Indiana, so pardon me, it would have been seven of eight, uh, the wins for the Mavericks. But nonetheless, that that that's a big shot, and that's the kind of game that we're going to be playing at this point. We're not just paying attention to what the Warriors are doing and how they're looking to build and regroup and get healthy and get whole and then, of course, play against quality teams and pick up victories. We're also looking around the rest of the league. You know, the Sacramento Kings, that, that loss last night to the Miami Heat hurt. Because the Warriors also gain a gain on them. So they're three back of the seventh seed. Those are the kinds of things that the Warriors have to take advantage of and why a win like tonight, as trivial as it might seem against a Wizards team that's pretty much given up on their season and looks like, I I thought they looked like in the third quarter they kind of gave up on the game. Um, Even though those are things that are trivial, this game is important from that standpoint. As for uh, the other part that D mentioned, And to me, I I think it really is, I don't know, maybe the only negative from a a Warrior standpoint, and it's not even really a negative, but I think it's an observation we can all see. There's no doubt that Steph Curry needs to rest. There's no doubt that he is fatigued. And I know that shooters will go through ups and downs, and they're going to have highs, they're going to have lows. What I think before the All-Star break, Curry was shooting you know, like 50% in his last 12 games coming in and coming out, Curry has not shot the ball very well. I mean, again, he missed 15 field goals tonight. That is the most field goals that he has missed across any game this season. He was four for 16 from three. And I don't think he made a three until, gosh, what was it, the second half? 
like the eleven o'clock, uh, the the eleven minute mark of the of the third quarter, and that's on the heels of a one for ten performance against Denver, which is on the heels of a three for eleven from three performance against Charlotte. You know, outside of the Lakers, Steph has not shot it particularly well going back now five games. Um, I would say this to me, even though shooters are going to have slumps, and Curry's right. I mean, he's still shooting what. About he's shooting north of forty percent from three point range, but it might have dipped down to close to forty one percent after tonight. He's right. He said it after the Denver game. That's why they're called season averages. The average tells you that Curry is still a damn good three point shooter, and this is not an indictment of, or I guess um, a signal that Curry is is falling off a cliff. I do think that shooters go through lulls throughout the season, even during Clay's prime, for example, and Curry's prime uh, during the Kevin Durant years. And before then, they had months where they would go on these, particularly Clay, he would have these cold spells for like two weeks where it seemed like he couldn't hit a shot. And everyone was wondering, hey, what's going on with Clay? Oh, and then he comes out of it and he shoots, you know, 43% for the rest of the season. That could very may well easily happen with Curry at this point. But the difference is to me, Curry is. 35 years old, and he's going to be 36 years old next month in March. The Warriors have to because he is the most important piece of this team, and it's not even close. The Warriors have to find ways to build in rest, whether it's in-game or around games for Curry. For example, tonight he played 30 minutes, took 21 shots, missed 15 of them. That's on the heels of, again, a 13-missed performance against Denver. I would be shocked if Curry played both of the games upcoming on this back-to-back. I think he plays against New York. I would not want to see him play against Toronto. And that's not to say he has to sit every back-to-back the rest of the way. But I just feel like at this point in the season, these are kind of in baseball what you'd call the dog days of August, the dog days of February. I know it's the beginning of the stretch run for a team like Golden State who's got 25 games left, but I need Curry at his best over the final 15 games, over the final 20 games. And a night like tonight I thought might have been a perfect opportunity to kind of build in some rest for Steph because I don't think they necessarily needed him. In fact, he had his worst shooting performance of the season. They didn't need him. They won a game in Portland in which Curry didn't make a three. You know, they've won games this year without Steph having to either play big um, or I think in some cases play at all. That's not a reflection of the kind of guy that he is. It To me, it's more about preserving him. It's about making sure that he is at his best for the biggest games. Against New York, I think that's a tough game at the Garden. I want Steph Curry at his best for that game. On Sunday, in Boston, at another Garden, <laughs> I want Stephen Curry at his best for that game. I don't think the Warriors should drive Curry into the ground more so than they need to. And to me, even though he'll deflect it and he'll say it's not an issue, he looks fatigued. And this is the time of the year in which that happens. And I think that Curry needs some rest. I think he deserves some rest, for crying out loud. This guy has had to shoulder so much, not just throughout this season, but the last couple of years. And that's something that's very difficult for players at the age around 35 or beyond to do. He is the exception. He's an outlier. He is one of one. He's an original. But even the one of ones sometimes need time off. And I think that over the last, you know, three games, four games, five games, Curry has earned it. 
And so I'd be very surprised if Steph plays both of the back-to-back games coming up against New York and Toronto. And if he does, I I just hope it doesn't hurt him and his effectiveness um, in the bigger games, like, for example, against Boston on Sunday. So if you feel like I'm wrong, if you feel like I'm off touch or off base, out of touch, uh, feel free to let me know at 888-957-9570. That is the number. This from the 510 the Comcast Business Text Line. Most of Washington's offensive rebounds came off long 20-foot uh, 20 plus foot shots. Ball just bounces the offense a lot. Eh, could be could be a tough bounce for the Warriors. I mean, I would also say the Warriors take a lot of shots that are from the perimeter. And does that mean that they're necessarily the greatest, you know, rebounding team just because they get a lot of those balls? Like, no. I mean, I, I think yes. It, the NBA is more perimeter generated than ever before. Um, but I, I don't think you chalk up getting out offensive rebounded by the worst team at it in the league to just, well, they took a lot of long looks and the ball bounced their way. That to me, um, maybe on a, maybe on a few of them, but eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero is the number from the YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Uh, this is from DSGB. You start resting him when we're not making the playoffs. I don't know, man. The, look. The other part of it, it is the last thing you can afford at this point of the year, and really at any point in any season, is for Curry to get hurt or to get get a strain or to have something that requires him to miss a week or two. You know, I, I think Steph is he's everything to this team, and I just want to make sure that he is preserved as long as possible at a high level as possible for this season. Um yeah, I mean, I think, look, the Warriors are also, I guess, a little loose with the ball. Um, 18 turnovers is certainly not something uh, to not scoff at. It's interesting, though. Like, you look at, there wasn't a particular culprit tonight. They overall were just a little loose with the ball. And I think the most any player had was three turnovers. And that was Curry along with Sharich. Yeah, everyone else had two or one. So it, another fantastic uh Area and, and this was all okay. So check this out. Chris Paul coming back. A lot of people wondered what the pace would look like, or and it's only one game, but you know if the Warriors and the the ball would continue to move, if they continue to get up and down, the transition points would they continue to be a plenty for the Warriors, or really just the the pace that they've been playing with, right? So yes, the Warriors did have 18 turnovers. They also had 39 assists and. That's on 47 made shots. I feel like if your assist numbers are as high as that, like if you're plus 30 or whatever the magic number is for Golden State, not that 18 turnovers is acceptable, but that means that the ball is moving in a positive way for Golden State. Like that to me is conducive to success, even though, yes, you wouldn't like to have 18 or close to that many turnovers. Um, You can live with that when you're, you can live with that when you have, 39 assists as a team. And that also was spread around pretty evenly. Draymond led the way with eight, but Curry had six. You look at Chris Paul, who had six. Someone whose assist numbers have quietly been ticking up over the last, I would say, five games has been Jonathan Kaminga. And I think he's been not up and down. I was wondering, entering this game, if Kaminga had kind of hit a bit of a wall. Like, that's something that had flown a bit under the radar uh, for JK and I and it also kind of coincided around number one the same time that Gary Payton the second came back as well as the same time that Clay Thompson moved to the bench so I was wondering 
like the first 10 starts since the the new lineup for the Warriors. That was January 27th, so literally a month ago. First 10 starts as of a month ago for Kaminga. He had five 20-point games, was averaging 20.5 points on 53% shooting in about 35 minutes. And then the last four starts, not including tonight, so before tonight, the last four starts for J.K., he'd played about 25 minutes or 25.5 minutes per game and had scored 12.5 points on 46% shooting and had zero 20-point games. I think some of that had to do with the amount of... Um, I think it had to do with the amount of minutes that, that GP2 was playing and perhaps taking away from him. Um, I think also Kaminga and his mentality, I don't think he was as aggressive towards the rim as he'd been prior to. Uh, I also think, you know, Clay Thompson going to the bench doesn't leave you with as much space to start games and with the starting lineup, which Kaminga is primarily playing with. And I think that's taken some adjusting to for him as well. So the Clay move has been beneficial for the Warriors overall, but I think it's been something that both Clay has as well as other players around him have needed to take time to adjust to, even Pajemski to an extent. Um, he hit kind of a rookie wall, and then since he's come into the starting lineup, I think he has also been allowed to flourish. Uh, from the 418, oh, tell Evan that we appreciate his knowledge, but he neglects the calls. Well, 408, if you'd like to call in, I'd be happy to take your call. Uh, the issue is... Nobody's calling right now, buddy. So if you'd like to if you'd like to call in, please do. If you have a question, that's kind of how this thing works. Like Sterling's in the back, like just sitting there eating food. You know, if, if you'd like to call in, I'd be happy to get you on as quickly as possible. But I can't take a call if there's not a call, 408. So I'm sorry about that. And I'd be happy to take any and all questions. 888-957-9570 is the number. Actually, how about this? Let's step aside, take a break. On the other side, we're going to hear from Steve Kerr. We'll take some of your calls. How about that? If you call in, and if not, I'm going to continue to pontificate until the remainder of this show. Uh, so there's that. Again, the number is 888-957-9570. Shout out to our YouTube chat, NorCal Credit Union, as well as on Twitch. Also, the Comcast Business Text Line. Coming up next, I do want to dig a little bit deeper into what I feel like the rest of the road trip should look like for Golden State some of the teams that might give them trouble upcoming, as well as, I think, overall, just, you know, the, the takeaways from this game. We haven't gotten into Moses Moody uh, as much as I'd like to, and that's someone I do want to focus in on the other side. Also, again, we're going to hear from Steve Kerr, as well as get to our hardest worker of the game. All that's going to come up next when we return here on 95.7 The Game. My name is Evan Giddings. You listen to Warriors Wrap Up. We're back. At- this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To this. Pods gets a steal. It's Payton in transition behind the back for Kaminga and he throws. It throws. 55-46 Warriors with the new largest lead of the game and a timeout taken by Brian Keith. Now back to Warriors Wrap-Up on 95-7 The Game. Oh, that is the great Kevin Dana on the call sitting in for this road trip, this four-game road trip for Tim Roy, the voice of the Golden State Warriors. And this is Warriors Wrap-Up here on 95-7 The Game. Evan Giddings with you after the Warriors get their first of the four-game road trip in the victory column, 123-112 against the Washington Wizards. Uh, some fourth-quarter missteps. They do give up 37 points, but all the good for Golden State as they are now three games above 500, officially in the ninth seed for now, two and a half games back of the eighth seed behind Dallas in the Western Conference. Again, taking your calls at 888-957-9570. No offense to, to the 408. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not offended. In fact, I enjoy all types of conversations from fans. I sometimes get... Tired of hearing my own voice. I want to hear from others. So feel free to call him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that while we tee this up for what Steve Kerr had to say after the game. Um, first and foremost, I do want to shout out our hardest worker of the game, brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. If you're looking for a career in law enforcement, learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. To me, I think the hardest worker of the game is is extremely clear. I don't think it's close. And I think it's Moses Moody. This is a guy that has been in and out of the rotation even before he got his calf strain and was sidelined for some time. He looked like he was finally beginning to break through the wall, crack the rotation at back-to-back 21-point games against Toronto and New Orleans all the way back at home before he got hurt. Now he comes back. He's kind of the odd man out when the Warriors are at full strength, but Andrew Wiggins, unavailable tonight due to, due to personal reasons. Moody gets the start. And I thought he was everywhere. I mean, it wasn't just the fact that he shot it well. He's four of seven, all from three-point range. He had a couple of steals. To me, the plus-minus is irrelevant because he made just like three or four plays to save the ball from a potential turnover or a potential extra possession for the Wizards tonight. There was a play, first possession of the third quarter. He dives into the stands and... I think throws the ball behind his back, which triggers a transition, and then Jonathan Kaminga alley-oop. There was a play in the third quarter in which Kaminga, uh, later in the period, 
is kind of going out of bounds on the offensive end to track down a rebound, grabs the loose ball, spins, throws it to Draymond, who ends up getting fouled. That possession turns into two points for Golden State. There was a lot of plays in which Moody stole for the Warriors tonight that led to positive possessions, that led to points. Even though he didn't get credit for all of them, I think Moses Moody far and away is our hardest worker of the game tonight for Golden State as they defeat the Washington Wizards. So 888-957-9570 is the number. Line them up as we listen to Steve Kerr, who spoke after the game, I'm sure, about a litany of things, including Moses Moody. Here's the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. This is start things off on an evening where you have the type of ball movement um, and, and, and assists, almost 40. Does that, does that give you a sense of, you know, getting Chris Paul back, some of the other pieces that, you know, you're moving in the right direction going into this, uh, this march? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we, we've been playing pretty well uh, over the last month or so, and uh, we, I've really been looking forward to getting Chris back. You can see why tonight he's a plus 17 in, you know, 21 minutes, um, always in control of the game. I thought the way we uh, closed the third quarter was really important. You know, he was at the helm. He found um, JK for a lob, and, you know, we got a stop, got the last shot of the quarter. So we, we you know, we just handle things better with with Chris, he's um, he's such a great point guard. Always knows exactly um, what's happening in the game and what's needed from him. So it's great to have him back. Last game, there was a lot of excitement to see Clay and Chris share that backcourt together in that second unit. Just what did you think of those two in particular being able to I mean, play together? What a luxury to come off the bench with Chris Paul and Clay Thompson. I mean, that's crazy. Um, so it, it's uh, it, you know I, I I think I said this before the game, but it it feels like. Um, we've kind of found a nice um, combination of uh, a starting group um, that we've been able to count on you know, over the last month and a, a second unit that's been good all year. Um, but, you know, adding clay to that only makes it better. You mentioned the lob to Kaminga late. That was off, you know, Clay kind of dragging two out to the perimeter. I mean, what do you just, I guess, X's and O's wise think of, of those two together and the kind of stuff you can do? Chris and Clay. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, that was Chris seeing, obviously, right. the gravity right. and it's setting up. The yeah, line. I mean, that's not a play call. You know, that's just um, Chris Paul getting getting us organized. I think he motioned to JK to go set the screen and uh, JK knew to slip out because he's played with Chris and he understands the gravity that um, that Clay has. So um, that was a, that was a great sequence. And um, but that's you know again that's what Chris does. He, he gets you organized. He gets you good looks. And um, he uh, he just it, all season long he's been um, you know such a, a, a high. Uh, performer in terms of our be- all of our best lineups. It seems like he's in. He um, just knows he knows how to play. What, what did you make of uh, Moses's minutes tonight and just the impact? I loved I loved what Moses did. Didn't surprise me at all. You know he's such a pro. Um, he's such a great young guy. Just so high character. Um, you know, to, to put him in the starting lineup and to have him come out and, and play the way he did, it didn't surprise me because it's kind of what he does. He just he, he's, reminds me a lot of Loon. You know, he's very quiet but professional and does his work and and always stays ready. What do you think of that sequence he had where he got the steal, the behind-the-back that set up another Kaminga dunk? Uh, that was a that was a big play. Yeah, he he chased down that that long pass and then uh, threw it behind him and and um, 
you know, all, up, threw it all the way out. That was the key, you know, throwing it out to half court and not throwing it underneath the basket, uh, which is dangerous. So um, I thought Moses just had several hustle plays. Um, so did Gary. Felt really good to have Gary out there in a game like that where they went small and tried to spread us out. And um, I thought Gary made a real impact as well. That was Steve Kerr after the 123 to 112 win for the Golden State Warriors tonight in Washington. I think, you know, he, he touched on a few things to me, but the larger, again, takeaway from the game, and, and I think Kerr is, is dead on about Clay and Chris Paul. Like, those to me are the two stories from tonight. And Clay's kind of been building to this point. It's his fifth game since coming off the bench and taking a, a lesser role for Golden State for the better good, allowing Pajemski to step into the starting lineup. And the lineup's been very good uh, since that time. You know, you take a look at Clay right now in those five games, averaging about 27 minutes per game, scoring close to 20 points, shooting close to 50%, cl- shooting close to 45% from three. All of that is well. Like the fact that Clay Thompson is playing well and he's shooting great, and Chris Paul's picking up where he left off, plus 17, 22 minutes, six assists, um, also hit a couple shots. All of that, as far as the on court production, is valuable for Golden State. But to me, where Clay Thompson and Chris Paul, and Chris Paul always did this from the beginning of the year, but now that Clay has stepped into kind of a, a lesser role with the team. You know, it's such a tone-setting type of decision by Kerr, number one, but it's a, a tone-setting role change for Clay, and and I'm I'm trying to find the white the the right word for it. But to me, when when Clay Thompson went to the bench, that is a move that can go one of two ways. Clay can take his basketball and pout and go home and say, this isn't for me and I'm not going to buy in and I'm I'm not going to try. But I think because, and maybe it's just because he was the last of the big three, like he hadn't come off the bench um, since his rookie season. Everyone was wondering what was going to happen. But I think that Chris Paul and his return in a way and and where my mind is is moving towards is like Chris Paul sort of set the, the table for all of this. Chris Paul was the guy that during this summer we thought was going to be combative about coming off the bench that he needed to, but he was going to be combative about it. And he was the guy who had started a thousand straight NBA games. He was the guy that had been the bulldog and the floor general for all these teams that had won games. And even though he hasn't won a championship, he's had a great winning percentage wherever he's been. Clay Thompson had never done that before, but he'd seen Andre Iguodala be a finals MVP and come off the bench. He'd seen players like Steph Curry come off the bench in the 2022 first round of the playoff series. He's seen Draymond Green come off of the bench in the playoffs and in the NBA final. Like he's seen all of these guys before him that have taken these, I don't know if it's, you know, kind of roles that have been, that have stepped back. Um, but to me, Chris Paul set the tone this summer when he said, I'm cool coming off the bench if it helps us win. And to me, Clay Thompson picked up the baton right from Chris Paul, even though he was out, by saying, I can come off of the bench and I'm still going to be able to help us win. And through the five games that Clay Thompson has come off the bench, he has shot better than his season average. He has scored better than his season average, even though he's played in less minutes. And he's helped the Warriors to a 4-1 and record. That, to me, is very important. Because the rest of the team is also looking at Clay. They're looking at a four-time champ and they're saying, 
This guy is not afraid to take a step back. They're looking at Chris Paul at the beginning of the season saying, this guy started a 1,000 straight-plus NBA games. He's not afraid to be the sixth man. He's not afraid to come off the bench. And the fact that the Warriors have two Hall of Fame players coming off their bench, that might be the most unique second-unit duo in NBA history. Think about it. Clay's got four chips. Chris Paul is a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Clay Thompson, in all probability, is too. They have two first-ballot Hall of Famers coming off a bench behind a starting unit that features two players that are 21 years or older younger in Pajemski and Kaminga. That I would put up against any second unit in history as far as the uniqueness of it. And that, to me, is such a, a reflection of their leadership and goes against all the, the kind of sensitivity that I think we just impress upon players like Clay and Paul, that they won't be able to take a back seat to these younger guys or to players that they feel like they're on the same level with, that they have the same pedigree as and Curry and Draymond. And yet they're able to do it and they're able to succeed in doing it. And though tonight was a game against Washington that they should have won and they did and might have been closer than it needed to, to me that's also a tone-setting type of game for the second unit to say that we can have these two extremely unique players come off the bench, be okay with their roles, understand that some nights they might play a lot, they might not play at all, they might close, they might not, they might step in, they might take a back seat, and still be able to leave their ego at the door. That is kind of what I was hoping to see from Chris Paul and Clay Thompson, and I think that's what they gave us tonight. So I was really impressed by that. Um, in addition to, of course, the Golden State Warriors uh, taking a victory against Washington. From the 510 on the Comcast Business Text Line, Clay was still reluctant to take a back seat. That's probably true. I don't think he wanted to go to the bench. I also don't think Chris Paul wanted to go to the bench. But Chris Paul, because he got traded, didn't have much of a choice. Clay Thompson, because he was shooting a career low from three point range, I don't think he had a choice. And I think also with the way the Warriors were playing, gave Steve Kerr the ability or or the data or the whatever you want to say like it gave him the green light to make that move and i think if if Kerr didn't think that clay could handle it i don't know if he necessarily would have done it i think he would have continued to tiptoe around it and you know so one thing that i felt like at the beginning of the season of the contract years i just don't know if i didn't know if Kerr would do it just because of of the respect aspect of things even if it was good enough or good and better for the basketball team, which it clearly is. But that also comes down upon Clay Thompson having to sort of shift his mentality and understand where he fits on this particular team. Every team is different. Like the Warriors, for example, are three games above 500. At this point last year, they were 500. They made the sixth seed last year. I don't know if they're going to make the sixth seed this year, even though I think this is a better basketball team than the one last season. The Warriors, to me, are more together. I think they're building more of an identity. And I think that that identity, in addition to, of course, Curry being the center of it all, like the root of that of the identity that was necessary after last season was essentially, you know, not putting yourself first. Like, I felt last season, and there's still probably some this year, but last year, there were so many agendas, like Draymond Green trying to work his way back from punching the guy that he played against tonight for the first time in Jordan Poole. 
Jordan Poole trying to bounce back from getting punched by Draymond Green, but also coming off of getting and making, finally, his large amount of money. Andrew Wiggins having his personal leave of absence. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga stepping in to replace Wiggins, but knowing eventually he was going to go back to the bench. Moses Moody fighting for minutes with Anthony Lamb and Ty Jerome. Like, there... There were so many agendas on last year's team, and I think there's still some of that residue that sticks, but that's been not completely corrected, but the Warriors have made a a huge effort in my mind to kind of wipe away whatever was on last year's team. Part of that was by trading Poole and bringing in someone like Chris Paul, but part of that is also Paul taking a bench role, is now Clay taking a bench role and succeeding in it. Because at the end of the day, yes, winning solves everything. If the Warriors had gone one and four since Klay Thompson had gone to the bench, then I don't think we'd be talking like this. And I don't think Klay Thompson would be talking about how he's willing to do whatever it takes because he's willing to do, and this is not just Klay, players often are willing to do whatever it takes to win. You don't ever you don't ever hear a guy say, or a woman say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to lose. <laughs> that's, that's not how this works. Klay Thompson is bought in and perform well, and the Warriors are 4-1. and one. Even against Denver in the first half, I thought he played very well. Didn't play in the second half very well, like the rest of the team as the Nuggets just completely rolled them. Now I'm looking forward to see how Clay and Chris Paul can play together in that second unit on Thursday against New York, who, by the way, got absolutely shellacked tonight at the Garden against the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, they might be missing, and all probably will be missing, the likes of Julius Randle and OG Ananobi. So that's a game the Warriors might be able to get. They're not, the Knicks are right now, not the 20-10 and 10 team that their home record purports them to be. They're lesser than whole. That's a game you can get. Then you play a back-to-back in Toronto. That's not an easy game because it's a back-to-back because you're going to have to get over the border. All these different things that factor in. But can you get that game? And then you look at Sunday as a gravy game against the Celtics. That's kind of how I looked at the Denver game. I didn't expect the Warriors to win against the Nuggets. I looked at that game as... Like that, that's a sweetener. That's the cherry on top. If you can go and beat Denver, yes, you prove, you know, we're a threat in the West. Yes, you prove that, you know, you, you can beat one out of four times the defending champs because they haven't actually, well, actually, I haven't beat them since the 2022 uh, first round series. But you prove that you can, you can beat the Nuggets, and they should have beat the Nuggets uh, the game before they played them on Sunday, which they blew the 16 point lead. But all of that is well from a, you know, a micro standpoint. But if you win the game, you move a half game up. You lose the game. You beat Charlotte. You beat the Lakers. You got the head-to-head against LA. Like to me, that's that wasn't a game that you needed to win. Tonight's a game you need to win because you look at the rest of the road trip. You want to go three and one. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for Week Number One. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You want to grab, of course, one of these next two games, and if you can't get both, then maybe grab the game in Boston. Maybe steal a game on the road. That's how we have to, I think, look at the rest of the season for Golden State if they're going to jump in the standings. Because, again, a Max Struess half-court three-point buzzer beater is a huge shot for the Golden State Warriors as Cleveland defeats Dallas. That moves the Warriors 
a full game closer to the Mavericks with a win tonight. That, to me, those are the little victories within, of course, the 123-112 to 112 win in Washington. Those are the type, of, the type of mini victories that the Warriors have to be looking forward to. Um, so, again, overall, just to kind of put a bow on this thing, and we appreciate everyone that has called in tonight, everyone that's texted in, everyone that has chimed in on the Comcast Business Text Line, the YouTube chat, as well as Twitch, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Um, to me, I think this is a game that, that, to me, connects the second unit finally. Finally seeing Chris Paul and his impact. I thought he picked up right where he left off, having played very well before the 21-game absence due to his left-hand fracture. I thought Klay Thompson has continued to lean into to his bench role and his, I don't know if it's sixth man, because I don't know if Chris Paul and Klay Thompson share that type of role or moniker or, or what, but Klay Thompson has become the shooter off the bench that I think can help the Warriors and has helped the Warriors to a 4-1 record since that time. Steph Curry, he had his worst shooting performance of the season, but the Warriors still won. They were able to survive that kind of game, even though he missed 15 shots. I think Curry is going to have to rest at some point during the rest of this road trip, whether it's the back-to-back. Probably not the front end because he loves playing at MSG, uh, but I could see him not playing against Toronto, taking a quick trip to Boston and getting his body ready. Like, I think also one thing is the fourth quarter issues. Those continue to persist for Golden State. The second half... Tonight, it was the fourth quarter. Against Denver, it was the tail end of the second quarter. Um, I thought they closed the third quarter well tonight, but they didn't open up the fourth quarter well. How are the Warriors going to try and overcome the fact that they're a pretty small team? You know, they can't make many additions at this point in the season, and I don't think that they are. So are they going to lean into playing smaller? We saw a few four-guard lineups from Steve Kerr tonight. We saw some three-guard lineups from Steve Kerr tonight. Is that the only option for the Warriors? I don't know if it necessarily led to a lead being blown, um, but I, all, I I think it makes it very difficult to combat on the boards with a lot of teams. Even if the Warriors are a top-five rebounding team now, a team like Washington should not be able to out-rebound them on the offensive glass. So that's something to pay attention to. And then finally, I think we got to tip the cap to, to Moses Moody. Got to tip the cap to Mr. Stay Ready because the hustle plays were incredible tonight. He was our hardest worker, hit four threes, and I thought for a guy that has been kind of pushed away just because of process of elimination, got a chance tonight with Andrew Wiggins, who's out, and Andrew Wiggins, who, look, he was out tonight for personal reasons, and I know we went through this last year. You can't necessarily ask. You just kind of have to wait and see. Um, But there was a lot of people that I know whose minds went to, when is Andrew Wiggins going to be back? Is it going to be against New York? Is it going to be against Toronto? Is it going to be on the rest of this road trip? We're at a place where I think it's fair to wonder what personal reasons means for someone like Andrew Wiggins. I wonder when it was decided, why it happened. And I hope that it's just a one-off and we're going to see him back soon. And then, I don't know, maybe someone will ask a question and we can find out. But he's been a bit of an enigma his entire career. He's been an enigma in Golden State, certainly was last season. And I just wonder if that's something that is going to uh, persist for Golden State. Um, but Moses Moody, as a result of that, I do think he's going to continue to be in the starting lineup if Wiggins misses games. Just, number one, because he's kind of that mold of Wiggins. Like, I don't think he's particularly quick, but he can knock down threes. He's not as good of a defender nearly as Wiggins is, but he can put the ball in the deck and attack the 10. He can get hot from three-point range. Um, And he makes plays that demand effort and that demand energy. And I think that that's important for Moody if he's going to try and get his way to crack back into the rotation. 
Let's get out to Pacifica. Let's take one last call before we get out of here. Get out to, this is for the 408. Let's get out to Brian in Pacifica. Uh, what's up, Brian? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up with Evan. How are you? I'm good, Evan. How you doing tonight? Awesome, man. Solid victory. Yeah, absolutely here. Hey, uh, about Moses Moody, man. This guy has been the professional of all professionals for the Golden State Warriors. I mean, the man, when the man came from Arkansas, he, his big quote was, you know, if he wanted to get starting time, he would have stayed in college. But he knew that he was going to, you know, see limited time in the NBA, especially on a roster like this year. And I felt like this year was supposed to be his year to really, really break out and, and kind of emerge from that. And you saw kind of how that started to take place. His three-point shooting was, was great. His defensive effort was there. Um, his overall knowledge of the game really started to blossom until the injury here. Now, you know, you're talking about a guy who was about to break into the starting lineup, kind of have to start fighting for some more minutes here. And, you know, I hope the Warriors will find a way to keep him. I just think, you know, if he's not a starter by next year, we, you know, he may be the one guy we have to use as for trade if we want to, you know, try to lure some big-time players in. But, you know, for Moses Moody, man, he's he's been nothing but a fan favorite. The guy's just – he's worked his tail off. He's been very patient with this organization here. And I think, you know, I think at one point Kerr will reward him, but he's got to see – I think he's just got to see more minutes if the Warriors are going to try to get out of this playing tournament. Thanks, Brian. No, appreciate the call. Yeah, I think I think tonight was a reward for, for Moses Moody. Like something we kicked around on Steiny Guru earlier today was this idea of being out of the rotation completely, or not being in favor, right? Or being in the doghouse. I think that, that might have been the term because we also like brought up someone like Brandon Ayuk, but neither here nor there. Like is Moses Moody in the doghouse? I don't think if Moses Moody was in the doghouse, he would have started tonight. I don't think Moses Moody has fallen completely out of favor with Steve Kerr. I just think that we're kind of back to that place where about 25 or 30 games in, we heard Kerr say, well, I got 12 guys I can play, and I only got 9 or 10 spots. And unfortunately for Moses, the issue also becomes if the Warriors continue to win, and this is where I think the timing did get tricky for him because he was starting to play, for example, his best basketball right before he got hurt. That was also when the Warriors were in some turmoil. I think there were three or four games below 500 after the back-to-back boo, back-to-back boo games at Chase. So that was a chance for Moody to crack the rotation because there were still rotations up and there were still spots and, and minutes up for grabs. I don't really think right now with Chris Paul coming back into the fold that there's many minutes up for grabs. Maybe because Moody's a wing, he might be able to allow Kerr to play in a more three-wing sets. You, know, you could go to Wiggins, Kaminga, Moody could slide in at the two and and be a little bit longer, but with Paul, I I, I don't I don't really know how he fits. I think he fits more as a three. Like I think he's more kind of behind Wiggins, as well as even Gary Payton the second, who plays more of a forward position for Golden State than the guard position, even though he's smaller. So I don't think Moody's falling completely out of favor. I just think it's it's a numbers game and a numbers crunch, and unfortunately he is the odd man left out. But then again. If Wiggins is out for personal reasons on Thursday, Moody's going to start. And Moody's going to continue to start as long as Andrew Wiggins is not in the lineup because I think the other part of it, too, is you have to lean in on the, not demotion, but moving Clay to the bench. Like, you can't have Clay just come back in the starting lineup 
I think that throws a monkey wrench into things because if Clay comes in for tonight, an example, like drops 40, then why wouldn't he want to immediately come back into the starting lineup? Like, I, I don't think that Kirk could kind of move Clay back and forth so quickly. It's only been five games now. And Moody's the most likely guy to slide in. I think he profiles well as a, a Wiggins-esque uh, player as far as what he does. And they're kind of measurables. Uh, but also, Moody does some different things. And I just felt like Moody, outside of the first quarter, I thought he was a little lost at first. But outside of the first quarter, he was really good tonight. And he made a lot of energy and hustle plays that should keep him at the 20 to 25 minute mark, which he was this evening, if he needs to start for Andrew Wiggins. So I was happy to see him get those minutes. Uh, but I don't think that he's going to get a ton of them if Wiggins is healthy. Because let's say also, for example, someone like Lester Quinones, who had been moving ahead of Moody in the minutes category, I think they sl- they play slightly different positions. But Quinones is someone that only played one minute tonight, and it was in garbage time. He's not going to play. So, you know, I, I think it's it, it it's a tough spot that that Moses Moody is in. Um, but as long as the Warriors are winning, I, I just I don't know if Kerr is going to have evidence to shake things up. But then again, if look if Wiggins misses tomorrow and maybe misses a couple more games in this road trip, which is absolutely a possibility, and Moody plays really well, well then Kerr might have to find some minutes for him. You know, I, I would personally like to see if Moody could take a few minutes away from someone like Sharich. And if the Warriors could kind of find a different bench combination with TJD at the five, you know, maybe you you move Gary Payton to to the four, you have Moody at the three, Clay at the two, CP at the one, um, or, you know, Gary at one of the forward spots and, and Clay at the other. Clay, Clay could play, uh, play the four because he's defending bigger players anyway. So, you know, maybe that maybe that's something that Steve Kerr and the Warriors are, are kind of considering because I also think if, if Sharch is not hitting threes, for example, tonight he's six foot nine, he grabbed zero rebounds. Um, that's something that you can't have from a forward. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. Uh, oh, of course, now people are calling it. <laughs> All right, let's uh, as we wind this thing down, let's get out to Tim in North Carolina, clean up the phone lines eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. What's up, Tim? How are you? What's up, what's up, Evan? My bad, man. I didn't mean to wait so late. I oh, just, no, no. Uh, You're all good, early. man. I know it's early uh, for us, so it's probably earlier for you yeah. out there, too. Yeah, I just, um, you were talking a little bit earlier about Steph being tired and Kaminga and the minutes going down. And I think what, you know, if you look at how Steph is playing out there, he's just playing kind of reckless and doing a lot of shot hunting. When mm. if, if he took his time and did a little bit more facilitating, he could do a little bit more resting on the court. I mean, look at, you know, but one thing that this move did, if you think back to the days of KD, Steph, and Clay out there on the court together, you know, it was it was a little bit of all three of them getting the offense funneled through them. So now you got Steph out there by himself, and he just is just looking to get shots every time he's out there. Like, he's just playing the two guard from the beginning with – Vajemski just looking for him for shot hunting. I think, I think they could funnel the offense through Kaminga a little bit more and absorb some of that. And you're right. As soon as GP came back, 10 minutes gets cut off the guy's playing time. They're not really trying to go through him anymore like they were doing. And I think that's just a disservice. I think they're going to hurt themselves in the long run because instead of growing on that confidence you were instilling him, if you look at how Kaminga is playing now, Kaminga is almost playing – 
not to make a mistake so he's not pulled out of the game. Mm. He's making smart he's making smart decisions. Don't get me wrong, the assists are up to about five a game. He's he's making he's put he's filling the stat sheet. But how many times do you see him have a wide open fifteen footer that we know he can make? And he's not even taking it. Like it they're just not even funneling it through him. And I know what's going through the kid's mind. He's already lost about 10 minutes a game since GP is back. And he knows if he makes any mistakes, he's going to be yanked out. So I think we're making a mistake by not – I'm not going to say Kaminga's Katie. We know that's not the case. But this team was able to play with a guy who was a one-on-one, more of a shot maker type of guy, create his own shot with Steph back in the days. And that helped Steph. Steph didn't drive himself into the ground back then. So I don't know why Steph feels the need to just gun the way he's doing because he doesn't really need to. If he just if if they facilitated and did a little bit more like they were doing during that run, I think it'll be a lot better. Evan, back then, think about it, Evan. They were playing nine people because they were forced to play nine people. Yeah. Now what is Kerr, now Kerr is running eleven people out there when he said all season long he wanted to play just nine. So now he's. <laughs> He's running 11 people out there. Think about it. He ran 11 people out there tonight without Wiggins. So if Wiggins was there, it would have still been 11. Moody probably just wouldn't have played. And, again, I think he's just doing that because he doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. He don't want to hurt CP's feelings. He doesn't want to hurt Pajemski's feelings. And quite honestly, Evan, I love Pajemski, but the guy's averaging about six, seven points with 35 minutes of playing time. And to me, that's just a wasting starting spot. And all he's doing is looking to feed Steph, feed Steph, and just put more and more stress on Steph and shots. So I don't know, man. It's just, you know, I'm just looking at how this thing is going, and I think they could do some things a little differently to not wear the guy out. No, I appreciate that, Tim. I think that's an interesting point because, again, it's really all about Curry. I mean, we could talk about Kaminga, and I think he's important. You could talk about Clay going to the bench, getting Chris Paul back. Uh, trying to figure out the rotations and who's in the nine mans. You're right. All of that is important, but it's all about Curry. All of those things relate back and revolve around Curry because if he's not playing at an elite level, I know tonight they were able to be Washington. I don't know if, if Curry goes six for 21 at the Garden, the Warriors going to win that game against the Knicks. Knicks scrap. Knicks fight hard. Knicks are a physical basketball team. Knicks are a team that don't roll over like the Washington Wizards. And even the Wizards didn't roll over because in the fourth quarter, they were able to get some easy baskets and get things rolling. They were on a 12-2 run to begin the quarter. So, no, you're right. I think the Kaminga, and actually, uh, there's not a lot of evidence behind this because he's played most of the games, but I am very interested, again, I was talking about Wiggins and if he doesn't play on Thursday, don't just watch Moody. Watch Kaminga because... I, I still think that there's a little redundancy with him and Wiggins to the point where when Wiggins is out there, Kaminga doesn't, like, for example, you look at Kaminga's shot chart tonight. You look at the type of shots that he was taking. He had, he had a few in the post, but I think all but two of his makes were in the paint or in the restricted area. He was leaking out. He was getting in transition. That's what he's going to do. He's going to run against a younger team like Washington. But I think also without Wiggins there to take some of those post touches away. His game offensively is similar to Wiggins right now. Wiggins might shoot a little more from three-point range than Kaminga does, but their games are similar offensively, and I think you're right with less minutes allotted to J.K. Tim. 
he's trying to make more of the other plays as opposed to playing his game offensively. And I think that for the Warriors to be successful and maximize this season, that J.K. does have to be the dependable number two offensive option. That might be too much to ask uh, of a 21-year-old, but I feel like that helps them get to the their ceiling and where they're at. All right, you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HU1 San Francisco, always live in the free Odyssey app, Twitch and YouTube, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Uh, so we'll leave you with that. We'll leave you to stew on that. And a reminder that the Golden State Warriors will take on the New York Knicks. That's going to be on Friday to try and improve on their 30-27 and 27 record. And that game is going to be coming up at 4.30. Warriors live right here on 95.7 The Game at 3.30. Kevin Dan will have the call and the tip-off for a TNT game at the Garden, followed by the Friday matchup at 4.30 also in Toronto. Uh, but that'll put a bow on it for this edition of Warriors Wrap-Up. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Appreciate everyone that called in, everyone that texted in, everyone that chatted in on YouTube and Twitch, powered by First NorCal Credit Union. Big thank you to Sterling Bennett, our network coordinator. Big thank you to our guy, Ken Luttrell, along with Mark Grandy, uh, working back here in the 95.7 Game Studios. As my name is Evan Giddings saying so long, where one last time the Golden State Warriors defeat the Washington Wizards, 123-112. to Now, two and a half games back of the 8 seed. That's where the Warriors at. They'll look to build in on, on Thursday. We hope that you tune in, and hope, of course, that you tune in tomorrow to 95.7 The Game from 6 to 6. In the meantime, it's been real. I appreciate you tuning in, and I'll talk to you next time. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 